The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome again. I think, can I have the microphone be just a tiny bit uh, louder so I don't have to yell? There's always this awkwardness, right, where I have to talk nonstop. Okay, I think maybe there we go. Maybe, I guess, between me and Gil, it gets changed, right? Gil is to go. Good evening. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, as I was sitting, uh, I, I kind of bubbled up like, oh, yeah, maybe this topic, uh, here I am, I'm, I'm going to do more on fear. <laughs> and I've uh, been doing quite a few things on fear. It turns out it's such a rich topic. There's like so many elements to it and so many ways to consider it, work with it, look at it, all these kinds of things. But if you're sick of fear, I promise this will be the last one. <laughs> but maybe I'll, I'll, uh, to justify it, I'll say that um, I'll be teaching a class in July that's called The Path of Fearlessness. It's like a six, I don't remember how many months, six or seven month program. And we'll be looking at fear and all the different ways it shows up in our lives and different ways to work with it. And so that's partly I've been, you know, really poking around in this topic of fear. It turns out to be a very, I don't know, I feel uh, touched by it. Like I'm learning about practice in some ways and just, you know, what it means to be a human. Turns out fear is pretty common. So maybe I'll just say that I'm going to lump together quite a few different ideas about fear. So there's this fear of like imminent danger. Something's going to happen. You know, and we have fear about that. You know, the saber-toothed tiger or the bus that's uh, while we're crossing the street. And there's also this, maybe like this less pressing fear, fear of public speaking, fear of going to a place where you, you don't know anybody, you know, something like this. And then there's also kind of like anxiety. There's this way in which this anxiety is maybe this more generalized discomfort of something that's happening in the future. Maybe it's not even, we can't quite maybe even put our finger on it, what it is. Fear and anxiety, of course, they both are concerned about things in the future, but there's a way in which we might uh, consider them in the same. So I'm lumping them together, but to be sure, I could give another Dharma talk on like why they're all different. So there's value in that as well, but for the purpose of this talk, I'm going to lump them together. And so part of, you know, actually this, can I make this be just a little bit louder? I keep on trying to make this be closer, but I'm afraid that I'll lose my voice at the end if I'm, okay, maybe this is better. Yeah, thank you, Martha. Now you guys don't want to hear me with my running out of my voice at the end. So part of the theme I want to talk about is like, why bother? Why bother talking about fear, looking at fear, working with fear? Like, what's this is kind of the theme? And 
I'll say that uh, last week I talked about like the way to fearlessness was the topic, and I talked about how the path of practice that we do that's to find freedom is the same path of practice that can really help with fear. And the week before that, I did F-E-A-R as a way to practice with fear. Friend it, befriend it, explore or examine it, allow it, and release it. And I talked about that. But maybe in general we can say about just working with fear is similar to working with other strong, uncomfortable experiences. So whatever we learn about fear, it's part of the value is can help us with anger and sadness and just these other kind of sometimes uh, uncomfortable experiences that humans have. But I'd like to start with a poem. This is a poem by Rosemary Traumer. She's this wonderful poet. I think that uh, she's, I don't know, I just appreciate how she's able to put in words or express things with a little bit of whimsy and a lot of wisdom. So here's Rosemary Traumer with this poem, Hello, Fear. And it goes like this. There I was, making tea in my kitchen when fear hit me like a school bus. I didn't need a scientist or a therapist to tell me it hurt. I screamed, ah! I shouted, no! But after smashing into me, fear just opened the folding glass door of the bus, yanked me on, then plopped me into a green vinyl seat. I'm scared, I said, yeah? Fear said, because I'm scary. Yeah, I squealed as the bus careened through the couch, through the bedroom, the splintering dining room table. What if I lose everything, I said to fear. Yeah, said fear. What if you do? And who will I be when everything changes? Yeah, said fear. Who will you be? Then he opened the door and shoved me off the bus, and I was standing again beside the familiar green counter, teacup in hand, not a drop spilled. Who will you be, he shouted from the half-open window. I took a deep breath, not knowing how to answer. Good, fear said, as if uncertainty were a gift. And who? Fear said as the bus peeled away, Who are you now? Who are you really? I don't know, I'm smiling while I read this because it's just kind of this playfulness, right, of this bus. Sometimes we have this expression, you know, just getting carried away, where we have this expression, I got hit by a bus, is a way that I just got overwhelmed. And Rosemary Traumer, she's kind of like works with this. And so I'd like to use this kind of this poem as a way to unpack and to talk about some different ways of kind of what Rosemary Trummer is pointing to in this poem, at least in my interpretation of her poem. So it begins right where she's, oh, maybe I'll just read these few lines again, just the first few. There I was making tea in my kitchen when fear hit me like a school bus. 
I didn't need a scientist or a therapist to tell me it hurt. I screamed, ah, I shouted, no. But after smashing into me, fear just opened the folding glass door of the bus, yanked me on, then plopped me into a green vinyl seat. Fear is never invited. It just shows up. And sometimes it's just those times, here she's describing just being in the kitchen with a cup of tea. In my mind, I can imagine maybe she's looking out the window in the kitchen and just maybe there's a moment of relaxation, a cup of tea is a little bit soothing. And it's often when we relax that the things that we've been trying to tamp down kind of like arrive. Might be during meditation. In fact, it's not uncommon that during meditation, the same type of thing, when there's a sense of settledness and ease, then fear can show up. And I kind of like this idea of a school bus. This poet, she chose a school bus, maybe because it's something like when we are, have a lot of fear, there might be a way in which we kind of feel like the younger version of ourselves. We don't necessarily feel like the adults that's trying to convince everybody, yeah, I got everything under control. I don't have any fear. I'm not afraid of anything or whatever it might be. It's this way of kind of the school bus is not only there's a younger version of ourself maybe, but also the fact that it's a bus, in my interpretation, is highlighting there's a lot of people on this bus Fear turns out to be so common, even though we don't often talk about it or even even notice it, we're giving it different language or we're calling it something else. But there's a way that kind of maybe recognizing that it's showing up on a bus, there's a way that we can connect with other people, recognize the common humanity of feeling fear. Humans are vulnerable. Of course we are. So of course we have fear because there is danger. It doesn't mean that all the things that we consider dangerous are in fact dangerous in the way that we imagine them, but we're not invincible. So of course there is fear. And part of this practice is to help understand those fears that are helpful and those fears that are not helpful. And so something else that's in the beginning of this poem she uh, she has this uh, this line. I screamed, ah! I shouted, no. <laughs> this is how it is, right? When fear arrives, there's this resistance. No, I don't want this. Go away. There's this. Of course, there is this generalized feeling of this is not what I wanted, and it's fascinating that we can, for me it's fascinating, that we can work with this sense of no. Right, there's this, uh, we have fear that just arises, uninvited. And then there's this sense of no, I don't want it. And there's a way that this fear and the resistance to the fear are pushing and supporting each other. There's a way that they're kind of like in this little loop. And sometimes to be with the fear is overwhelming or you know, there might be trauma associated with it. Maybe it's not even wise to go right into the fear. But this resistance, all the ways in which we say no, 
be enormously helpful to pay attention to this. It's the, there's this way that um, resistance can show up as this uh, tightness in the body or this blaming others or blaming ourselves. And just to be with that, let the fear take care of itself, but to be with the resistance. Because we have not only resistance to fear, but as I was mentioning earlier, so many difficult, uncomfortable situations. And so we can... Just being with the resistance is a way that we can like help the fear to diminish, kind of like allow it to do this arise and pass away. Because of course the fear is going to end. It's not there always. But something that often that we don't talk about is that fear can be a support for practice. I've been talking about, okay, here's how to get rid of it, or here's how to work with it, or something like this. But there's a way in which fear has a role in our life and in our practice. And I like this uh, expression that Jack Kornfield has. He says that fear is the membrane between the familiar and the unfamiliar between the familiar and the unfamiliar. So recognizing so often the fear is of the unknown or the fear is about, you know, what's about to happen. It's part of why it's uh, unfamiliar. But this idea, if you're feeling fear, you're out of your comfort zone. But this is also how we grow. This is also how we expand our capacity is to get on the, kind of like maybe push this membrane between the familiar and the unfamiliar. How much does the fear of the unknown kind of like limit us, limit our lives, limit the ways that we think about what's possible for ourselves or possible for others or possible for the world? Or some skills that we think that, oh, I'm not, I don't want to undertake that, I don't know how yet, or something like this. This unknown, I don't quite know how that's going to unfold. And also I'll say that the, I'm going to have a little drink of water here. Also, we might recognize that the hero's journey includes fear, right? And this journey is where the, the protagonist embarks on this adventure, like uh, faces and overcomes challenges, and then undergoes personal growth and transformation, and then comes back with gift-bestowing hands. Now that they've learned something, that they can not only live their life different, but they can help others in a way that they couldn't before. But this way of meeting obstacles and over and working with them and being able to meet those challenges always involves fear. But this hero's journey, right? This is part of how we grow. I'm doing. I'm making a circle with my hand because there's a way in which we come back to where we started, but we've changed. So maybe the external environment hasn't changed, but we've changed. And I think all of us have this experience. 
having some difficulties that we wouldn't wish on anybody, but then recognizing on the other side that, oh yeah, I did learn something really powerful and meaningful and maybe even transformative. So this recognizing that fear, even though it's uninvited and uncomfortable, it can be a support for our life and for our practice. So then I'll I'll come back to this poem. Uh, uh, The person in the poem says, I'm scared, I said. Yeah, fear said, because I'm scary. Yeah, I squealed as the bus careened through the couch, through my bedroom, through the splintering dining room table. So this bus is going through these different parts of the house. Started in the kitchen, and then let's see, was it like the couch, the bedroom, and the dining room? These are all the different areas of our life, right? The ways that we show up in the kitchen, the ways that we show up on the couch, the way that we show up in the bedroom and the dining room table, our relationships, our what we do for leisure, what we, um, how we are with taking care of ourselves. You know, there's way in which fear can touch so many of these different areas of our lives. And so in the same way, working with fear can take us to many areas of our lives also. For example, this idea of just exploring fear or examining fear can reveal a tremendous amount. It can reveal parts of our inner lives, like because what we fear is related to what's precious to us, what is important to us. So, as we're like examining fear, we might discover some of these stories that we've created about who we think ourselves to be, as we see here in this poem. We might have this idea of like, well, I'm afraid they won't like me. Then we realize, oh, yeah, and we have this might this underlying belief or that everybody should like me, like us. And to be sure, that's not a bad thing to have people like you. But there's sometimes ways in which we are compromising our things that are important to us or not standing up for what we know that is right or something like that, just so that people will like us. So to recognize part of what our fear, to explore it, reveals our inner lives, maybe even what we think the purpose of our life is or what we value what's important, what feels threatened. But when we examine the fear, we also reveal the way that kind of like these persistent fears that we have are often like limiting our lives or limiting our freedom. And we might not be aware that the role that fear has in our lives until we really look at it and examine it. Fear might show up Kind of maybe just in general is apprehension or hesitation or dread or worry, but also maybe more explicitly as not being able to sleep well or just feeling moody in a bad mood or in a dampened mood or heavy mood or just being really mood's all over the place. 
or it can also just show up as the opposite of kind of like not expressing our emotions. We don't want anybody to see the fear perhaps or something. So there's a way in which we're kind of like tightened up and clammed up and not sharing. So it really has a big role on our emotions, whether we're ones we're expressing or even not expressing. And there is a way in which we could say that fear, you know, is such a big part of conflict. This way in that we, our inner life or what uh, limits our freedom, this sense of, it kind of like, it can, sorry, that lost my thinking there, that it's at the root of conflict in the sense that we're afraid that somebody is going to take credit for something that we did at work, for example, or that they won't um, respect us if we share what's really going on with us, or they will um, not appreciate the our vulnerability because it makes them feel vulnerable, so they'll be turned away. It turns out, though, that right being vulnerable in a way that feels comfortable, like not sharing too much, but not being closed off, is really how people connect. It's really how people form relationships and friendships. And it's if with the it, there's been lots of studies about this that uh, if somebody seems like a little bit vulnerable, then maybe I shouldn't even just the opposite maybe little bit vulnerable or that is not completely perfect or polished, then people are more apt to, you know, want to talk to them or have a, or include them in what's happening or, you know, have them as part of the conversation. And so exploring fear also reveals some of our patterns of reactivity the way that this resistance that I spoke about shows up. It can be this procrastination, avoidance, anger, blaming, lashing out. So the way that we kind of resist fear so much is also we could be resisting anger or sadness or anything else that's uncomfortable. And then also looking at fear reveals the role that desire and expectations and clinging have in our lives because fear is so often related to this it's like we're afraid of losing things so we're really holding on or there's this like this vicious circle of fear leads to clinging and then this which and then the clinging kind of leads to this identification and then identification leads back to fear because the things that we're clinging to feel like um, they often feel under threat. Whatever, often we're clinging to ideas about ourselves, and we want others to see us a particular way. Or expectations, we want to feel a certain way, and we're maybe afraid of. We don't want to be uncomfortable, so I expect that this will happen, and this won't happen. It'll be the right temperature and and it won't be too loud or too quiet or these types of things. But 
So not only does kind of looking at fear help us to learn about ourselves, but it helps us to hone some of our some skills, like how to be with difficulty, but also how this recognition that some fear is appropriate and some is not. You know, fear sometimes. Um, I had this habit when I was younger, maybe. It was like from when I was really young, just a grade school age. And sometimes I find it showing up uh, when I'm, I don't know what the conditions are, but sometimes it shows up. That I used to have this idea that when I was walking on the sidewalk, I shouldn't step on the crack. Because we had this saying when I was a kid, like, step on the crack, break a back, or something like this. And sometimes, even as an adult, I'm like, oh, wait, I, you know, I'm adjusting my feet so that I don't step on the crack. This is silly, right? This is, but there's a way in which things that really don't make sense show up. And for us to really pay attention, like, oh, yeah, to fear of harming others, this could be helpful. Fear of ste- stepping on the crack in the sidewalk, not so helpful. So... <laughs> It helps us to kind of like make some distinctions. What are our reactions? Are they appropriate or maybe they're not so appropriate? And just to have that activity, this question of like, is this helpful? Is this not helpful? Is this healthy or is this not healthy? Learning to do this with fear, we can also do this with our anger with our sadness or our blaming or this inner critic like there's so many different ways in which we can do this and then I also want to say that looking at fear can help us to face death face death with more equanimity there's this way that part of you know we have this fear of death so we never look at it I shouldn't say never we are tend to not look at it or um, even think about it. But there's a way in that if we can reflect on death, it's even a practice, some of you may know this, Maranasati, these death contemplations, just this recognition, I'm going to die, you're going to die, everybody's going to die. If the fear kind of gets moved away or even isn't there, I'm sure it's probably there, but there's a way in which we can work, look at death in a way that can be sacred. And we can work with death in a way that can be liberating. And I had a good friend who was a practitioner, and as he was dying, he just kind of, I felt like he showed all of us like how to die with, um, I don't know, with some beauty and grace. It was such a gift that he gave us that he he had cancer and he was, for many, many years, he knew that he was dying. So he had time to get his affairs in order and to say goodbye. and But just to, I don't know, it was a beautiful, just kind of like a letting go into the unknown. And he had some fear, I'm sure he did, but just a way that uh, he didn't, hide it it was a it was a beautiful thing for, to re, to recognize oh yeah people to their the dying process can be a beautiful process it's going to happen anyways for all of us 
And then the last part of this poem. What if I lose everything I said to fear? Yeah, said fear, what if you do? And who will I be when everything changes? Yeah, said fear, who will you be? Then he opened the door and shoved me off the bus. And I was standing again beside the familiar green counter, teacup in hand, not a drop spilled. Who will you be? he shouted from the half-open window. I took a deep breath, not knowing how to answer. Good, fear said, as if uncertainty were a gift. And who, fear said as the bus peeled away, who are you now? Who are you really? So much about fear is this fear of the unknown. The truth is, we don't know as much as we think we do. Fear of the unknown is often like, well, I'm not quite sure how that's going to happen, how that's going to unfold. But how many things in your life have turned out just the way you thought they were? This is coming from somebody who has a PhD in biochemistry (laughs) and is now sitting here as a Dharma teacher, right? How many times in our lives we think like, oh, things are going to go this way, and then they kind of like turn out going another way. That's like in the big picture. But often, you know, we have these fears about what's going to happen if we go to this... uh, holiday gathering that we get invited to, for example. I don't really know anybody. I only know that one person. And oh, it's going to be awful. I'm just going to be standing there. Nobody's going to talk to me. And maybe, maybe not. There's this way in which we have this, uh, this, we just want to have some confidence in things that we don't really know. But it turns out that uncertainty is kind of the way forward. Because fear, like in order to not feel fear, we're trying to like control things and which is limiting. We're like limiting what's possible for ourselves and what's possible for others. Having uncertainty, the sense of, hmm, I don't know. It's so much better, like, oh my gosh. Okay, I have to make sure this doesn't happen. I have to make sure that doesn't happen. Therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of that. And But there's a way I'm just saying, I'm not sure. It might be awful. <laughs> it might not be awful too. But to somehow allow things to unfold in a way, instead of always trying to shove them a particular way and make them be a certain way. So I'm not saying to be completely passive and I am not encouraging like just terrible horrible things to just keep going but I am encouraging us to not uh, assume that we have to um, corral everything or um, try to make sure it only goes the way that we think it should go so often things have a like a natural unfolding that might be better than what we're even thinking about. And sometimes 
there is a part of us that prefers the difficulties and that prefers the stress and prefers the, you know, this worry because it's familiar. So we shouldn't underestimate like how much we are often trying to get rid of uncertainty. And in order to do that, we're holding on to things that just aren't helpful for us. And we have these patterns, you know, of familiarity. These are really powerful. And so there can be some wisdom, but we can also bring some questioning. Like when we, sit, when we recognize some of our patterns of behavior, yeah, I'm usually showing up this way. Well, is part of that is just because it's familiar? But what would it be like to invite more uncertainty in our lives? You know, just this little bit of fear, like, you know, I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. And can that be okay? Because, as I said, we really don't know as much as we think we do. And we certainly don't control as much as we think we do. Even though we try, right? Of course we do. So, the truth is that uncertainty... Is, is can be like this doorway to freedom. And this fear, this membrane between what's familiar and what's not f- familiar, this it can be a door that's closed. But fear can be a doorway. But it's often, in, uncertainty is the next step. But then that can lead to greater freedom, greater ease something that maybe we haven't even imagined yet. Maybe we don't even know, can't even, we don't even have an idea what it might be. So in this way, working with fear can work with also this sense of, uh, our sense of self, that so often we feel like has to be protected and bolstered and made to look good. But, if we recognize this uncertainty and say, I don't know, it kind of like softens that this sense of self is, when we have this sense of certainty, there's a sense of like, I know. And when there's a sense of, I don't know, then there can, the, there's an opening. There can be a less rigidity, less limit. So in this way, working with fear can be a support for greater freedom. So the next time that you're having tea in the kitchen <laughs> and fear arises, maybe, maybe it'll be a school bus, maybe it won't be a school bus, but is there a way that you can just uh, uh, allow yourself to see what it has to show you Allow yourself to feel the experience of fear. Maybe I'll say briefly, one way to be with fear, and that's not overwhelming, is to be aware of the body, what's happening in the body. The mind is going really fast and making lots of stories, especially when there's fear. But if you can ground down into feeling your feet on the ground, feeling the lump lump in your throat or the butterflies in the belly or whatever it might be, that's a great way to kind of like hold the fear. 
without this sense of like, that has to go away. And then maybe you can work with the resistance, as I said before, this sense of no. And the sense of no often is showing up in the jaw, clenching the jaw or tightness in the jaw, or sometimes in the shoulders. All of us are different, but these are some generalizations of how to work with this. Okay, so with that, I'll end and open it up for some questions or comments. Thank you. I'm going to read this poem just one more time. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a way in which maybe something that we, you know, we hear more than once. It because uh, you guys might have your own interpretation of this, right? You might have something else that sticks out for you. There I was making tea in my kitchen when fear hit me like a school bus. I didn't need a scientist or a therapist to tell me it hurt. I screamed, ah, I shouted, no. But after smashing into me, fear just opened the folding glass door of the bus, yanked me on, then plopped me into a green vinyl seat. I'm scared, I said. Yeah, fear said, because I'm scary. Yeah, I squealed as the bus careened through the couch, through my bedroom, through the splintering dining room table. What if I lose everything, I said to fear. Yeah, said fear, what if you do? And who will I be when everything changes? Yeah, said fear, who will you be? Then he opened the door and shoved me off the bus, and I was standing again beside the familiar green counter, teacup in hand, not a drop spilled. Who will you be, he shouted from the half-open window, I took a deep breath, not knowing how to answer. Good, fear said, as if uncertainty were a gift. And who, fear said as the bus peeled away, who are you now? Who are you really? Hello. So I'm having some fear right now. <laughs> um, I, first of all, I wanted to just say like how much I appreciate that reading. I get so much more out of a poem when I hear it spoken, I think. And then the voice of fear seems to sort of change, or at least it seems in the end it becomes instructive or an aid, or at least that's one way you could look at it, is yes. sort of undermining the identity or... Exactly. And then on a more personal note, I'm sort of realizing that there's also fear of fear. Yes. And I, I just recently, like in my, within the last year of my life, I've realized just like how powerful fear has been in my life, like from a very early age. And I think I was always sort of trying to, like, to deny that. It's more of a social fear than physical fear in terms of risk-taking or things like that. 
And I don't really know where to go with that, except it was just, I think maybe I'll sign up for (laughs) for the class. Path of fearlessness, yeah. We're starting at the end of January. It seems like a very rich uh, vein to uh, mine to look at. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate very much that you're saying that the fear has some wisdom at the end, kind of like undermining identity. And then you said fear of fear. Yes, I agree. Right? Even here, uh, the poem says, she goes, I don't forget what she says, oh, I'm scared. And yeah, fear said, because I'm scary. This fear of fear, right? How much a big role it has in our lives. I think if, in my case, it was like trying to deny that I was afraid, and that's like this big thing you don't want to look at and leads to all sorts of undesirable yeah. outcomes. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, appreciated what you said about, I, I think it was something like, Comfort, the comfort or familiarity of, of fear and, and anxiety. I think when I'm feeling anxious about something, um, every topic that I'm anxious about puts my mind into a certain, a certain course, and uh, you know I have the same kind of plans or, or whatever as I did last time to, to deal with whatever I'm anxious about, and I guess there is a certain amount of comfort in that, but it's also frustrating that I'm doing, I'm thinking the same thoughts again, and of course I'm not getting any more out of them the second time or third time or tenth time as I did the first time, so uh, it's almost like um, you know, I think that I'm, this time I'm really going to figure it out, or (laughs) whatever. Um, Yeah, it it does tend to put my mind in very familiar patterns and there I guess there are there are aspects of that that feel good and, and aspects of it that feel bad. Yeah, yeah. This makes perfect sense. I think all of us do this, right? We have our usual ways and they work a little bit or they work sometimes or you're like there's a reason why we do it. But then sometimes it's recognition having to do something different. Maybe I'll just share for you and for others that I used to, uh, when I noticed like fear was coming up or something, I would just like do a long exhale. This is just like the physiology of long exhales just kind of help calm us down. So I would just do that all the time. Like, oh, okay, this works. But the fear would just like keep on coming back. And it wasn't until I said, you know what, I'm going to stop doing this long exhale and actually just kind of be with this fear and it turned out not to be so bad. Well, what I was doing was like kind of like soothing, but the fear to be there, like, oh my goodness, and then to kind of like go away. And then, I don't know, it felt like something shifted with that. So maybe in the same way that you get into these thought grooves, I was doing this. And the thought grooves, I mean, they can be helpful, right? And I was doing this physiological sigh or something like this to help it. So maybe I'll just share that too. There's so many ways in which we get into these habits. Thank you. Did 
Diana, I love the way you read the poem. Thank you. You're welcome. It was, it was great. Um, for many years, uh, this is in the somewhat distant past, I noticed that as soon as I sat down to meditate, what would happen is what I called the three Ps, which was planning, pleasing, and placating. Oh. And um, the, I, the placing and placating, I could understand, and the planning wasn't just normal planning. It was like planning the same thing again and again, which I recognized after a while was magical thinking. Like if I planned this thing well enough, then bad things wouldn't happen in my life. And so when I looked at those those three Ps, I thought, well, okay, that's fear. Yeah. That, um, and it was really helpful to recognize that. So yeah. Thank you, thank you for your talk. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Martha. And thank you for saying this about fear is underneath planning. Absolutely. There's a way in this that we're trying to control things or be prepared for whatever is going to happen because we're afraid that somehow we'll be uncomfortable or something untoward will happen. Yeah. Thank you, Martha. I like this. Placating, pleasing, and planning. Okay. The three Ps. <laughs> Thank you all. And I wish you all a good night and safe travels away home. And Thanksgiving is coming up, so I hope that uh, in whatever way you celebrate it, or if you celebrate it, I hope you have a wonderful time. Thank you. And you're welcome to come up here and talk to me if you'd like. <laughs>